eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But what was really encouraging is... Especially for us, as you know, we are defensive aficionados. The offense had patchy moments of execution. The special teams had one real patchy moment of execution. But the Seahawks defense allowed three points, six sacks. They registered. They took the ball away two times. They had three crucial fourth down stops, um, four in total, but three when it really mattered. And... It was just a really exciting performance for them, including the Arizona Cardinals running backs only having something like two point something yards per carry. So Griff, uh, happy days before we get to the Seattle offense. Yeah, um, they played a complete game. Um, we saw th- this isn't a complete like this didn't come out of absolutely nowhere because they've had good stretches within some even some of their worst games this year and but they finally just uh played a complete game um it was i think the theme here was that they are essentially just kind of figuring their scheme out and from there are they're able to execute better within that and then that can kind of you know compound positively moving forward and that's just that's just what we saw this game. I mean, they 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 played more bare, or I mean, they've been doing that. But like mm. last last week against the Saints, early on, or on early downs last week, um, they played more bare, and the the statistics went in went in bare uh, was uh, a lot better, like run and pass, and that was the case this week too. Of course, they just their third down plan was also really good, and we'll talk about that. Um, but they held the Cardinals well below their um, their averages on offense. Like they were an average offense statistically, efficiency-wise, clustered in the middle. And they were like bottom five this week. Um, I think this is a reflection of Seattle really harnessing their scheme and a reflection of what their talent 
is capable of. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals, but you know, they still have adequate players and Zach Ertz and um, you know, AJ Green. And they didn't didn't give up a lot of production. They they def- they had a good rush plan for Kyler Murray. I mean, all of it worked. I mean, three points is dominant. So Yeah. And you know, even if they'd converted on those third downs or or but sorry, not even converted the fourth downs, but decided to take the points, you know, by a field goal, you know, that's nine points, like it's still pretty pretty stingy. And a field goal, obviously, not exactly a guarantee, especially when their kicker is struggling. But yeah, Griff, I agree with what you're saying in terms of schematically from what we can garner from the broadcast, but also from the comments of Pete Carroll that I'll get to. But it doesn't, I mean, it's not a culmination because we're going to see this continue, but it's definitely, you've, you've seen this process kind of work itself out through the weeks. And, you know, I and others had questioned whether Carroll could fix this kind of defense because it's not technically a system. But whatever the coaching staff is doing, they're slowly getting there, slowly working. And what was interesting, I alluded to Carroll's comments before the game, he's out there saying, you know, we've made a couple of schematic adjustments for this game specifically. And then after the game, he refers to them too, but obviously doesn't tell you what they are. But to me, I mean, we'll have to watch the tape, listen to our tape podcast Thursday. But it's like you said, Griff, I think they're running more bare, less risky uh, front stuff on early downs to expose yourself to the run. You know, all the kind of stuff we were asking for um, and sort of had identified on the defense seems to be happening. And after that shaky first drive where they get caught in a kind of really going at the pass look on two third downs Mm -hmm. and they had a shaky moment on the second drive as well. But after that, they sort of settled in. Condon Diggs mentioned how there's sort of the first 15 plays where you get some beaters thrown at you from previous weeks. But then they settled in and played really well. Uh, back to front, everything was in sync. Yeah. It was really encouraging. They they reverted back to schematically parts of the Venn diagram that overlapped last year between Ken Norton Jr.'s take on this d- defensive family and what what Sean Desai was running and you know the, the Fangio group, um, and you know like what Zimmer was doing and Carl Scott already kind of over had some natural overlap, right? Uh, but they reverted back to what worked last year. I mean, that's still, it's still the same like umbrella of defense, right? Um, but they're they're essentially saying on early downs we're going to be we're going to be fundamentally sound up front, and we're going to let guys get one on ones and just win blocks. Uh, we're we're going to make it easier on the linebackers to play fast. Um, we're going to just play sound zone rules. And then when we need to, and, and if you can do that really well, great, but you're not going to be super aggressive. So then you, you win back that lost aggression that they're, that they weren't getting out of their four down too high. Anyway, mm. you, you win that back by, they were sending a, a little bit of pressures here and there, and then they were playing cover one when they felt like they could get away with it or like dime cover three. Um, and so it's like, it's not, it's not a matter of like what so much, it's a matter of how much of what and when. And like, it's just a matter of twisting knobs, twisting knobs in and, and like whatever they did this week, it was like the perfect combination. I thought they were really close last week. Um, in, in essence, really, this was this game was them refining all that knob twisting um, that they that they did that they were doing last Always week, important. but then applying their third down game plan and then just tackling better on third downs and in crucial moments. That was it. Like, 
there's nothing else going on here. Uh, but it's cool that we can see a direct like line. We can trace this back to the Saints game, more so on early downs, like I keep saying. But then even before that, um, that game connected the dots a little bit to like the first half against Detroit, the second half against uh, San Francisco. So like they've had this within them. And this doesn't mean that next week, you know, that they could they could get fucked up next week. But what they're, but what they're, this gives them the best chance of moving forward. So if if they do get you know jacked up next week, so be it. But do so, living in the same world you know that that they're living in right now, because it gives them the best chance. You know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. The, the other thing which was big was the lack of that massive killer mistake. Um, and right. I mean, Ty, I'd love to hear what you, you thought of the defense, but how about, you know, the two rookie defensive backs, Kobe Bryant stepping up, having a good game in coverage, forcing a fumble, and then Tariq Willem with a really impressive, unnecessary, because he could have swatted it incomplete on fourth down, but pick of Kyler Murray late on. Yeah, some really great reps with uh, some talented receivers, of course. I, I thought Kobe had some really nice reps against Rondell Moore. Uh, and then uh, Tariq against Hollywood Brown. That was going to be a really interesting matchup for him. Um, and I, and they really held their own. I, 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 you know, obviously we'll see what the tape says, but like I thought this was definitely Kobe Bryant's best game, at least to me, on TV from a coverage standpoint. Um, and Tariq looked great all day long as well. So um, that's really encouraging. And the defensive line played incredibly well today. Um, and I think, you know, obviously some of that is the bear stuff, but they were beating up on a beaten up line, right? The Cardinals have suffered injuries all along that line and they took advantage of that, which they haven't really been able to take advantage of these matchups when teams are missing some key pieces. And so that that was really nice to see into Griff's point, you know, earlier that, you know, they didn't just win, they they dominated today and that means something, right? Even though that the Cardinals did not look very good, they looked like a two and four team today kyler murray was rough particularly when passing the ball and but still even with that even with the cardinals being that bad this was still very very impressive by this defense because we've seen seen the really really rough parts of this defense at times so but the way that they were able to win uh those matchups at the uh line of scrimmage was great being able to get consistent pressure on murray and like you said, uh, I think Car- uh, Cardinals running backs average like 2.7 yards per carry or something like that. So they were able to stuff the run. And, you know, aside from what Murray was doing, scrambling and all that stuff, uh, and they were able to get to Murray and contain him in the pocket. Uh, and so that was that was great. Yeah, and Daryl think- Taylor, by the way, specifically uh, had probably his best game of the year, too. That was really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's, you know, especially with the pass rush, I think that is just opportunity like. Like again, talking about the last few weeks showing signs of this, <clears throat> Daryl Taylor, there were signs he was going to heat up. Like they were trying to get him one on one. They just didn't have enough clear passing downs for their schematic ways of getting him one on one to really pop. This game, they had way more passing downs and clear pass situations. 
and they almost had like a whole quarter of Arizona basically becoming a one-dimensional team. Yeah. And so they were able to go at it. And, you know, there was a bit of sack stat padding towards the end. But Ty, I do agree there was consistent pressure throughout. I think they had a, a good rush plan in terms of keeping Murray largely in the pocket. I think also, you know, line the scrimmage-wise, they did really well against the run game, as you were saying as well, Ty, knocking guys back, winning the trenches and... Yeah, remember that really Brian Monet. Uh, remember that rep that Brian Monet had, where he just drove the center, right, back, right. Like, and I think that's partly yeah. you know the crowd coming into the game, like f- f- switching up like the Cardinals' cadences. But their line seems slow off the ball all game, and maybe that's lack of experience, lack of working together, lack of talent. But I think also, you know, I think they're a bit shell shocked, and uh, I think the noise got to them a bit as well. So yeah. that was good stuff. Uh, Griff, where, where do you want to take the defense? Uh, well, yeah, the fact that they did this without Al Woods is pretty cool. I think part of Mona's struggles, I feel like he's just better reading the game, you know, playing off the center, you know, being a zero technique, one technique. I just, I, maybe he's just not comfortable seeing the game, you know, lined up across from guards. I, I don't know if that's, and if there's really anything to that or not, but I mean, he, he just played really well this game. He was just winning blocks. Um, it was nice to see Puna Ford kind of regain himself, look like himself for a full game too. Um, and, and then like, you know, with the pass rush, yeah, them playing bear, but one of the benefits that bear does give you in the pass rush department is like the, the symmetry of it. You, it's really easy to not easy, but it's, it lends itself toward, you know, um, designing twists and stuff, um, and, and getting guys free up the middle. So like we saw that one Ryan Neal sack. I mean, that was really well designed. Um, it reminded you a lot of like the the dime package they used last year in the middle of the season with both Neal and Jamal Adams out there. They're making it work now with Josh Jones and Ryan Neal. I'm excited what the tape looks like in general with the three safety stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was it was good design, good execution. And then I think those two things are feeding into one another as well you know, um, where the scheme puts the players in better positions, then they, you know, play better. And then that benefits the scheme and so on and so forth. Um, kind of like what we've mostly seen with the offense this year. Right. Um, the other aspect of this though, is that I'm really curious to see what it looks like on the L 22, but the Cardinals and, and just given what they do formationally, all the the trips open, you know, the two by two open spread stuff, right? They don't condense their splits a lot. They're putting, they're trying to put, especially when Seattle was playing a lot of two deep, they're trying to put Jordan Brooks, the linebackers on an Island. And they were just, they were just throwing guys down the pipe at him. And sure enough, Kyler Murray, a lot of his reads start off over the middle of the field. And then he eventually works his way, down to the flat or he's scrambling and you just see Jordan Brooks hauling ass downfield and then off screen, you don't know what's happening. I suspect it's because nobody was open. Um, so I feel, I hopefully it was another really good cover day for him. Both the linebackers are coming up and hitting um, even Neil when he was essentially playing de facto will linebacker on some mixed downs that they were able to get away with because they were playing their penny package or their three down stuff. Right. Uh, everyone was flying to the ball, playing fast. There's, there's no more confusion now. Um, I do wonder though, and, and maybe when we go back in the table, we'll even see it in this game, when they do look for the excuses to play four down spacing paired with too high, what are those situations now? Like where are they drawing the line? 
versus when they go, okay, we need to we need to get back into odd spacing to defend the run here. Um, I'm curious to see where those lines are being drawn because early on in the season, it was like trying to make fetch happen when they just needed to scrap it. And I understand not wanting to scrap it when you spent so much time in preseason and the summer with it, right? Because you're trying to convince yourself you can make it work. Um, but it just wasn't working. Um, so I'm curious to see where those lines are being drawn. And you wonder if they get really good at this now, do they start to flirt with the idea of like, okay, let's start to bleed in our four down stuff more into earlier downs, more into mixed situations and not just past situations. Um, so that'll be something to look for. But in the meantime, don't fix what ain't broke. Ride this. Just ride it for now. So Yeah, and like we saw one of the disadvantages to the approach when you had Nwosu running across the middle of the field with Rondell Moore. Now, right. there's coverage tools you can employ to make that not happen where he can doesn't have to take that through. But in that matchup, the nature of it, he had to, and it looked yeah. bad. Uh, same time, like, it did work overall. And so, even though Clint Hurt promised that wouldn't happen, <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Um, because they run, it's a 3-4. It's actually the 3-4. You got to um, just accept it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, how many yeah. of them did they hit? And you go into... You get walked out. Exactly. Yeah. Going to the Jordan Brooks point, that, that um, fourth down stop he had where... Uh, Murray got sacks on the play, but his primary read, I think, was like uh, trying to get Ertz open over the middle on an under route where they uh, ran three up the pipe and thought it would run off Brooks to the number two. But Brooks just went rapidly from three to the two with very quick processing and took the under route of the two yeah. receiver across the middle with burst and processing. And that was just excellent coverage. I, I think he had a superb game. He also finished with six tackles, so he's all over the field. And what I'd say is the fact we didn't really know, uh, like to the, you know, how much did the linebacker stand out? Well, not actually that much if you're just sort of got a cursory glance in the game. But that, again, is evidence of, you know, when the D-line's struggling, when the front's struggling, the mechanics are struggling, then you start noticing linebackers because you're like, why are they so far downfield taking on a block? Or why are they getting blocked out of a play? And it's because, you know, they've had someone thrown in their lap or it's because the runs burst through a, a gap which shouldn't have been there up front. Um, but the fact you didn't notice them so much this game is evidence of how well uh, it all kind of played and fitted together. And, you know, there will be probably a temptation to fit in more of the four-down stuff because, you know, that is what I think they're trying to do, whether that was Sean Desai influenced or not. But, you know, just to re-emphasize for people who haven't listened to past podcasts, you know, that, that wasn't working. And now they're sort of... I, I, know, I can't wait to see the, the film of, you know, Carol mentioned there was a couple of things they did differently. I can't wait to sort of delve into, you know, playing time, personnel packages and see what else they were doing. Maybe 